you standing next to you are your family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Welcome back to episode 12 of Meet Us at Molly's. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Bryna. With me, as always, is the lovely Gina. Gina, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? And Miss Ashley. Ashley, what's up? Hi, everybody. Alrighty. So tonight's episode, we're going to talk about Chicago Fire episode four, titled A Breaking Point. Um, we're going to talk about a tiny little bit of news. We talked about so much in the last episode um, that we're not going to spend too much time on it. And there wasn't really that much after we recorded on Thursday night that came out. Um, one of the only things that really came out was Monica did an interview in TV Guide magazine that they kind of use as a way to recap the episode that we're going to talk about. So there wasn't a whole lot of like news in there. But there was a good quote, she said, in terms of Dossie, the Dossie relationship, she said, that the love that they have for each other is unwavering, which I think is pretty clear after this episode of Fire that that's so true. Um, yeah, did you guys take anything else away from the interview? Just that they're adorable and <laughs> that's about it. I like how Monica also said that if Casey were in a building that she wouldn't even hesitate and run in. She absolutely would do that. They're just so cute. I can't ha- take it. They're just adorable. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, yeah, that was really pretty much all the news. Um, as always, if you guys see anything that we've not discussed on this episode, I mean, I think we do a pretty good job of catching everything. But if there's something that we haven't talked about in this episode, send it to us. Just tweet it to us because um, we definitely want to see it and read it and be informed members of the One Chicago fandom. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, let's just jump into talking about this episode because there's a lot to talk about. So we're not going to do kind of like we normally do and divide it up in storylines. We're just going to recap it chronologically because pretty much the whole thing revolves around the big incident with the parking garage. So we're just going to start with episode. So the episode starts with Gabby picking up a promotion gift for Casey. And we get to see her open it, but and she says it's perfect, but we have no idea what it might be. And I think for me, when she was asked, you know, by the guy who I guess was I don't really know what he was doing with the gift. I don't, I guess he was cleaning it or whatever he was doing. And he was like, oh, is this a gift? And she was like, yeah, for my husband. And every time Gabby says that, like, it still hasn't gotten old yet. I'm sorry, who is it for? Yeah, it's for her husband. Say that one more time, please. I didn't hear you. It's for her husband. That never gets old. Ever. Right. It's, yeah, it's. It's really hard to think about, too, how we went through five and a half seasons, like, without them being married. I know. Like, I can't even remember. I mean, I do remember a time, obviously, but, like, it's hard to even think about the fact that, like, Matt started the, se- the series with a different girlfriend. Like, they're so married at this point. So married. It's the best. Yeah. So that's the, what we, the episode first starts off with. Then we go to Hope and Brett. Okay, so Hope shows up up at work, and Brett confronts her about the fact that Connie says she stole $10,000 from her former boss. And so Hope kind of justifies, justifies, I say that with, like, quotations around it, um, her stealing money, possibly stealing money, as, you know, her her and her old boss had an affair, and he kind of freaked out on her when it came out that they had had this affair, so he just kind of said that she stole $10,000, but she says she didn't do it. And Hope offers to quit her job, but Brett tells her not to, and that, you know, she gets it as Sheila Fowlerton. That is such a hard thing to say, just Fowlerton, too. <laughs> because, you know, she wanted a clean start, so she gets that why Hope actually left and why she wanted to stay in Chicago. Um, There's something but, yeah. weird to me here, because... If she didn't actually steal $10,000, as she claims, why did she offer to quit so quickly? Because if you if you stole $10,000, yeah, you're going to have a guilty conscience and want to run. But if you have nothing to hide and you're innocent, why are you like, oh, peace out? Makes no sense. I mean, yes, I think this whole thing still makes no sense and I still don't like hope. 
But I mean, from that instance, like, I guess I can understand. I mean, not, wow, I'm saying those words for hope, but like, I guess I could understand it because, you know, if Fowlerton is such this small town that they claim it to be, you know, we don't really know a whole lot about it, but, you know, in small towns, people talk and you pretty much can never get away from that image of that people have of you. And so if she's now associated with like a being, you know, as a part of being this, as being a part of this affair and also possibly stealing $10,000, like that's not something you want to have chasing you your whole life when you eventually want to get married and have kids. So like, I get it. I don't believe that's why Hope left. I believe she stole the $10,000 or did something else shady or whatever. But I mean, I do get it. Speaking of Hope, how many episodes is she in? Do y'all know? I mean, I think from the description, she's at least up until the winter finale. Yeah. Or episode six, that is the winter finale as far as we know it to be. Um, The winter finale is the week after next. Isn't that crazy? Holy crap. I know. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, literally. Always complaining about how much I hate football. But anyway, so yeah, as far as I know, I think she's up until episode six, which would make sense because, I mean, if there's only two more episodes before we get there. So, yeah, I don't know if she's supposed to be in more after that, but we'll see. Um, But yeah, anyway. So then we get to see Gabby talking him out on the phone and he's like, when are you coming in? And she's like, well, like, I'm getting some party supplies. And he's like, well, as long as you'll be here before the ceremony. And she's like, yeah, I'll be there for, like, about an hour beforehand. And he's not really suspicious about where she actually was, because why would he be? Um, But, yeah, so she tells, like, just a little white lie. So he has no idea that she's actually out getting this gift. Can I just say that it's pretty much the cutest white lie ever? Because, and I mean, I'm, I'm shameless when it comes to my love for Dossie. Like, I will just put it all out there because they're just the cutest. But I love when she told him, she was like, yeah, I'm just picking up some party supplies. And she had this little devilish smile that was just adorable. And then when she said she had to call him back and she's like, babe, I'll call you back. I love you. And just them saying babe and my wife and my husband and I love you. And just all these like married words are just the cutest thing ever. And they never get old. And just, yeah, I could talk about it all day. Yeah, I was going to say, Gina, I saw that you moved Aussie up until you're number one on your top ten ships of all time. I did. After this episode. And I bumped Lucas and Peyton from One Tree Hill. And if you know me, that is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know you. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really big deal for you. (laughs) I was was very shocked. But yeah, One Tree Hill is another talk for another episode. Well, we'll we'll do that episode of Brianna's. what, the reason I was bringing it up is because I just, I know that this episode is kind of what pushed you over the edge. Like, I clearly, I know how much you love your Dossie. Um, yeah, I will, I will get episode. into, we'll get into that end because that end was fantastic. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, so then Gabby's heading, you know, she's still on the phone with Matt and she kind of notices this construction on a parking structure. Like, the it's becoming, the building's becoming unstable. And so she's like, She's like, okay, yeah, I got to go. All right. And so, of course, she sticks the gift and her phone into her front seat and locks the car door. And she, you know, runs to the entrance or whatever. And she's, you know, saying, like, this is unstable. Like, you can't do anything. It's a hazard. Like, and they're like, what are you talking about, lady? Like, stop bugging us. And she, being Gabby, you know, ignores them. And she runs into the parking structure to kind of warn people to get out. And of course the structure collapses. Of course it does. Yeah, of course it does. Um, So yeah, the structure collapses and the construction worker had followed her in there. And we get to see that Gabby's not injured, but the construction worker that followed her is injured. But of course she can't really do much about it because, you know, she doesn't have anything like, she has pretty much the jacket she's wearing, and that's it. Um, but she also then gets to see that there's an army guy, Sergeant Tucker, who calls out and carries over another injured guy, Gil. And we, sooner they can't really do anything to save him because they don't have the tools they need to intubate him. And so the construction worker dies, and everyone kind of starts to become worried-ish. Were you guys at this point 
kind of in these first moments where before we even meet the other people who we get to meet on this lovely adventure stuck in the parking garage, um, were you guys worried at all that, like, some bad shit could happen in this parking garage? Honestly. Ashley, Gina, oh, go ahead, Ashley, go ahead. Not whoever. Kind of, yeah. I mean, something bad always happens on this show. Yeah. Gina, what were you going to say? I wasn't too worried, but I probably shouldn't say that because I'm supposed to be worried. So, yeah, I was terrified. No, I didn't think anything bad would happen to Gabby, but, I mean, the she handled it a lot better than I would. How's that? Yeah, no, for sure. And it's really funny because as soon as I saw this episode, this was obviously it aired on Thursday, and then Friday I was in a parking garage like three times, and I was just like, oh, okay, not going to worry. Not, actually, not that I ever worry in parking garages, but, like, not going to worry. No big deal. I You're, like, staring at the pillars, wondering how to get your seatbelt out to shore it up, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, so then we cut back to 51, and Severide shows up for shift, and he pretty much kind of starts teasing with Stella and messing with her, because Stella's filling in for Gabby on uh, Ambo while she's out. And he's like, oh, he's like pretty much being like, oh, you're on Ambo now, like blah, blah, blah. And she's like, please, Ambo gets more calls in a shift than Squad gets in a week. <laughs> Which is so true. Ambo gets calls all the time. Like every single call that comes into 51, Ambo is at least on it. Which is right. it's so true. Um, but yeah, and so they have this little teasing thing back and forth. And then Severide goes back into wherever he goes and hope kind of comes out and Stella calls her over and she's like, hope I need you to call HQ and get them to pick up these empty O2 bottles. And she's like, yeah, sure. Of course. Okay. And pretty much the only thing that I first came to my mind was I need Stella and Brett, like more of Stella and Brett working together. Like now. Yes, please. Yes, please. Yeah. No, I just, I think, it's so good, and I mean, I really wish we got to see more scenes of Stella, at least Stella and Brett, but also Stella, Brett, and Gabby. Like, just more girl power all the fucking time. Yeah, and the Stella, Brett, and Gabby scenes, we don't see often enough. They're I can't so... even remember the last time we had one. It was when it was when the guy killed the patient in front of Sylvie, and Stella and Gabby stayed with her because... There was a guy on the loose or something. That's like oh two god. seasons ago, isn't it? Uh, Jimmy was still around. Oh my god. So, That's yes. a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that would have been season four. Cause he got- but then, no, that wasn't the last one then because Jimmy lost an eye later on. And so in the hospital, there's like a brief moment where they're like sitting together. But that doesn't really count. <laughs> yeah. No, I like actual. Yeah. It needs to happen more often. I, I want it all the time. Well, and plus the Stella Brett thing, they were, not that they were hiding that from us. I think they probably realized midway through, like, wait a second, we could put Stella on Ambo and she would be a great backup for Brett. Hell yes. Fantastic. I don't even think I remembered the fact that, I guess Stella, the way Stella and Gabby knew each other was that they both worked on Ambo somewhere else prior to coming to 51. But like, I totally forgot that Stella was even like, uh actual paramedic like until they said she was like yeah i haven't done it in a while and i was like oh right you can actually do this so why can't we yeah that episode last season when that gang or whoever it was took over the firehouse that was the first time we'd ever seen anything that stella had experience with being a paramedic oh yeah i forgot about that episode yeah but now that we know can we have more brett and kid please Seriously. I wish we would have seen them, like, on call. Like, they actually get called somewhere and had to do, like, a, a medical. Something. Yeah, something. Yeah, yeah that was the only thing. Point. Right, that's a good point. Yeah, because we didn't get any calls this whole episode, which I can't remember who sent us the message. It might have been, I don't remember who it was. but Was it Rachel? In, I can't remember if it was Rachel, if it was Allison. But one of the two sent us a message, and in their message they were talking about how the fact that, like, 
it was really funny, or it's really realistic that, like, this episode, they kind of got no calls because, obviously, you're not always going to get a call every shift, and, you know, it could be a long period of time before you get a call. So, like, in that way, it was really realistic, but, like, you know, in this case, I would have really liked to, yeah, that's a great point, Ashley, that I really would have liked to seen Stella and Brett get some action and get on a call. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, then it kind of goes to Severide, who pretty much throughout this entire episode has teasing Matt about his promotion. Um, and one of my favorite ones, which I'll talk about a little later, is it's just so good. I love this bromance, and this teasing is great. Um, so then it goes back to the parking garage and Gabby and Sergeant Tucker kind of see two more people who are alive in the garage. So we get to see a white woman and it, it make it's, it's necessary that we talk about their races cause it kind of comes up later. So a white woman, Colleen, who's the most annoying person ever is yelling at a black name named Brandon for looting in her truck. And he's just like, I saw the radio and I was just going to try to call for help. And she's like, this thug is just looking for an excuse to raid my property. And as much as, as annoying as I found Colleen and as much as I just hated every time she was on the screen and opened her mouth, I really appreciated the fact that they showed this scene, like these, their interactions throughout this whole episode, because I think it was them really stepping into kind of what PD has been doing really well all this season and, you know, showing little bit about what people what real life is like and what conversations and what kind of preconceived notions people have of certain you know other people and so I thought that was just a really good instance of fire doing that as well yeah I liked it a lot because I mean Colleen got on my damn nerves oh my god but she's the worst she's horrible oh my god but it did discuss an important issue that you know and it goes back to something that I, we talk about with PD every week. It's like, just because something doesn't affect you doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And unfortunately, there are people in the world like Colleen who exist. And so it shed attention on an important issue, despite Colleen being the actual worst person in the world. Yeah, no, for sure. And so throughout this whole thing, you know, Gabby's just trying to keep the situation under control and keep everyone calm. But Sergeant Tucker kind of oversteps because he thinks, you know, the fact that, you know, he's a soldier and he's been trained and whatever, you know, he has all this leadership experience and he's like, I can take care of this. Like, no problem. Okay. But then we go back to 51 and 51 sees the garage cops on the TV, but of course they have no idea that Gabby's there. So they're just kind of going on about their lives, you know, watching it on TV and eating lunch or whatever they're doing, waiting for a call to come in. And then, this is where Bowden, so Bowden approaches Casey, and he's like, you know, congratulations again on the promotion, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'm going to get start giving you more tasks now. Like, you're up to it. And Casey's like, of course. And he's like, I'm going to give you personnel issues. And Casey's like, uh, what? Like, he seemed so less than thrilled to get personnel issues, which I don't blame him. That sounds like the worst job in the world. Are we sure this wasn't Bowden pranking him? I mean, we're not sure until I guess we get to see, like, next episode if Casey's still doing personnel issues. But, like, I mean, he was the one that had to deal with it later on with Mouch and Capt and all those other requests. <laughs> but I also just, I guess I don't understand. I guess that was the boss's idea. Like, the boss has to approve everything. But, like, why also can't that just go through, like, Connie or Hope or something? Like, why does it have to be, like, someone with actual authority? Like, I'd rather them be dealing with way other things than, like, personnel. But who knows? That's why I think it might have been Bowden pranking him. I wouldn't trust Hope with that. I wouldn't trust Hope with anything, actually. Connie, I would. Right. Well, but, not Hope. But, yeah. like, you get what I'm saying. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't understand why I'd have to, whatever. But anyway, that's a different thing. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether it is turns out to be a prank. But I guess, my guess is because we didn't see any kind of inklings of that in this episode, that it wasn't. But anyway. So then we go back to the garage. People are still freaking out. Still freaking out. And Colleen approaches Gil. Gil had said earlier that he worked in a bank and he was a teller at a bank and whatever. So Colleen approaches Gil about, she's like, do you remember me? 
and he's like, uh, no, should I? And she's like going on about how she went to this bank for a loan and Gil's boss, not even Gil himself because he's just the teller, Gil's boss denied her for a loan and for whatever she needed it for. And she's just going on and on and yelling at poor Gil, who's already so freaked out and already has all these issues and he can't stop. I don't know. But like, so Gabby like easily kind of diffuses the situation and kind of works to get Gil calm again through this panic attack that he then has. But like, what the hell is Colleen's problem? I just, uh, okay. If you look at this episode as a whole, I was just sitting there on Thursday night and I was like, well, hang on a second. Gabby is literally stuck with the worst people in the world to be stuck with. The worst. So Colleen's a massive bitch. Just call it as it is. Tucker does not know when to shut up. And I will get into a whole rant about Tucker in a minute. You just wait. Tucker (laughs) doesn't know when to shut up. Gil just sits there and says, I'm a teller over and over again. So the only person so far that she's stuck with who is not completely useless is Brandon. She's literally stuck with just the worst group of people to be stuck with. Yeah, Ashley, do you have any opinions Mm -hmm. about who Gabby got stuck with in this parking garage with nowhere to go? I agree with you. They were horrible. So bad. So bad. And it's, yeah, and I think it's funny. She's like I said, we're going to talk about Tucker. But in the first, like, moment when we meet him, like, I'm like, oh, okay, a nice, like, guy who seems to have his head on his shoulders and know what he's doing, like, he's been trained to deal with disasters. Like, this can't be that bad, right? Oh, no. Tucker gets worse. So, speaking of Tucker, so, Tucker had been playing, he asked, he had asked Colleen earlier to, like, play with the radio and see if he could find something. And he thinks he's like, oh, I think I got something. He can hear the CFD channel, but he can't get through to them. And so this is also when Gina pointed out our outline. It's also when Colleen just kind of like sits in the horn thinking that that's going to somehow get through to the CFD radio channel. No, that's just annoying the fuck out of everyone else. Like, (laughs) it's not going to be, it's not going to make anything, the person on the other side of the radio hear you more. It's just going to annoy everyone else that's around you. But anyway, like you said, Gina, Brandon, who seems to be the only useful person, had gotten the task from Gabby to kind of go through people's cars and try to see if they could find anything that they could use. So Brandon happens to find this guy, another person who's still alive, trapped in his car but so gabby and sergeant tucker try to go and start seeing what they're going to do to get him out of there but they can't as easily get him out as the car is holding up one of the garage pillars so they can't just like move the car pretty much budget at all or else the garage pillar is going to go down and they're all going to die so gabby and tucker basically are end up being able to pry open the doors and get him out safely but of course he doesn't speak Spanish or doesn't speak English. I don't know why I just said Spanish. I don't know where my brain is tonight. But anyway, so of course he's not going to be that helpful either because no one can understand really what he's saying. So then Gabby suggests, you know, let's start finding things that can stabilize the post. But Tucker suggests, you know, let's get proactive and start digging ourselves out. <laughs> um, okay. I literally burst out loud laughing when he suggested this because I was like, are you out of your damn mind? You're really going to dig through all of this concrete and rubble instead of trying to shore up this pillar? Because digging out through all the rubble could probably upset something else, I would imagine. Right. It's also not like concrete is a feather. Like, you can't just, like, easily lift it and, like, you can't then break it into smaller pieces without the proper tools, which no one has. Yeah, it just like it's not like it's pillows or something else that's light. It's concrete. Yeah, and like through this whole collapse, every time Colleen would open her mouth, I was like, shut up, Colleen, shut up, Colleen. And as this episode goes on, this is the moment where I'm like, shut up, Tucker, shut up, Tucker. And then it just <laughs> keeps on going. Yeah. Digging themselves out. He's insane. Yeah, but Gabby says this too. Gabby's like, you know, it's too dangerous. And, but they've decided, everyone else except for Gabby's decided that somehow it's a democracy and they're going to get to vote and everyone else votes to start digging. 
and Gabby gets outvoted. So y'all, they took a vote. They took a vote. Can I just point out how ridiculous that is? Yeah, it's yeah. I would, you know, seem to think I would suggest the person who actually deals with building collapses and things like that on a daily basis. But, you know. Could you imagine Bowden rolling up to, like, the factory fire and being like, this is how we're going to attack it. Let's take a vote. (laughs) Like, (laughs) let's take a vote on how to get Casey out of this fire in 501 (laughs) or 601. Someone's got to be in charge. I'm sorry if I think it should have been Gabriella Dawson in this moment. Nope, don't apologize. Do not apologize. (laughs) Anyway, back to 51. Casey, like I said, got tasked with now dealing with personnel issues. So people start coming to Casey with their problems. And he's just like, I can't take it anymore. Uh, But I think the best part of people coming up to his problems was Cap comes up to him. And Cap's like, he's like, yeah, Cap, what is it? And Cap's like, you know, I get that you're now a captain now, but like, I need, I'm going to need you to go with, like, Captain, because, like, I'm Cap. And he's like, you need to emphasize the 10, like, Captain. <laughs> it's, like, two weeks in a row. We've had a really great Cap moment. It's, yeah. It's great. I'm glad they're giving him more comedy, because even if it's he, just one line, it's so good. Right. And it's just, like, it's such a highlight, and it he just, Randy Flagler just nails it. it yeah, it's great. Um, But, yeah, in case he's, like, I don't want, and in this moment when he's kind of venting all his frustrations and going on about how he doesn't want to deal with this, he's just like, I don't want any more surprises. But of course, then Cindy brings one of her sons. I don't know which son it is. I don't think we know which son it is. Um, to the firehouse, and along comes with his this Boy Scout troop, and they're supposed to be thanking someone in the community for their hard work. And so they chose instead of Herman. Said a poor Herman, um, they choose Casey. So to give to thank them, they give him Mr. Sprinkles, which we find out it's a guinea pig, right? Yeah, it's a guinea pig. I and yeah. I only find this out because I tweeted hamster, and boy oh boy, did you guys let me know how wrong I was, which I appreciate. I thought it was a hamster too. Yeah, I said hamster. It was a guinea pig. There's a d- difference. I learned. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So. In case he just kind of has this look on his face like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with the guinea pig? But he doesn't say anything. And then we go back to the parking garage. And so Tucker basically told Gabby that, like, you know, pretty much just stick to what you're doing and, like, do medical care. And, like, you know, we can go through this whole thing. And then she hears Colleen and Brandon arguing yet again. Oh, for fuck's sake. Right, like, I don't remember, I think this is when they were arguing about the fact that Brandon found water in her car, and he was like, she's not sharing it with us, and she's like, I don't have to share it with you fuckers, like, <laughs> I can do it myself, and, yeah. This is also where she makes a couple racial remarks, she's like, oh, you people feel like everything's owed to you, and it's not, right. and Gabby's like, hold the fuck up. Right, Wait and a Gabby's minute. like, talks to Brandon, and she's like, you know, I don't want to deal with her any more than we have to but she's here and you know we really need her and Brandon's pretty much just like fine but if it if, like push comes to shove and it's me or her like I'm choosing me understandable and not I would not blame him at all for that and so then the injured guy who we still don't know his name and we still don't know what he's saying he starts walking over to the elevator and Gil notices it and they're trying to understand what he's saying. He's just kind of making gestures to try to get his point across. And Brandon and Gabby kind of put two and two together and realize that he's just the gestures he's making are that a woman's stuck in the elevator. So the injured guy and Brandon start trying to like pry the elevator open. And it's Gabby who actually finally gets it open. And the woman is stuck in there. We realize eventually later that it's this guy's daughter. And she's freaking out and probably having a panic attack. While Gabby's trying to figure out how to get the doors open enough so that she can get out, she's like, Gil, like, you've gone, basically, like, you're going through this, and you know what she's going through, like, start work, like, calm her down. So Gil actually surprisingly calms her down, and they actually get her out. Yeah, okay, so this is where I really flipped on Tucker, because 
he just becomes and okay remember i'm the old one of the bunch so i don't know if i'm about to use this in the right context but he's just so fucking extra in this moment like he basically gabby's like gabby's talking about shoring up the pillar and by this point tucker kind of knows that she's the right person for the job to be in charge but he can't fucking come to terms with it because every time she opens her mouth, he has to echo her. So there's a moment where she's like, we need to shore up this pillar no matter how we do it. And he goes, just goes, yeah, she's right. No shit, she's right. She doesn't need your approval to get shit done. I just, no. It just drives me insane. And it kind of makes me feel at this point that he, I don't know if it's more that he has issues with a woman being in charge or if it's that he's army and he has issues with other people being in charge because he's army. What do you guys think? That's a really interesting point. And I hadn't thought about it in terms of like a gender issue, but, and I'd have to go back and kind of watch it through that lens. But I definitely think, I think it could possibly be both. I have, like I said, I don't know in terms of the gender part, but I definitely think it's definitely an army issue in terms of just, you know, I was trained by the army and this is how I think. And, you know, I'm going to go about it whatever way I was trained to do. And this is how I was trained to do it. And so I think it's definitely that. But whether it's the he has issue with the fact that Gabby's a female, I don't know about that. But Ashley, well, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the army issue, too. Because there's also that. There's also that that moment at the beginning when the construction guy is dying and he comes up on them with Gil. Like, he finally enters the area. And the first thing he says to Gabby, he's like, are you a nurse? Why is your assumption that she's a nurse? She could very well be a doctor. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, you bring up some interesting points, for sure. But I don't know. I Like I said, I hadn't thought about the gender issue, but that's it's an interesting point. Yeah, this um, is the point where I turned on him. Yeah. But anyway, so then we go back to 51. There's a lot of, it's pretty much just back and forth between these two places. It's, you know, something's either happening at the parking garage or it's happening at 51. But anyway, so we're back at 51 now. And Casey's kind of getting, you know, well, first, Mouch, Otis, and Cruz are kind of trying to deal with the sprinkle situation. And they're like, what are we going to do with it? I don't know why. I guess Casey just was like, here, you guys deal with it. Um, But they're trying to deal with it. And they don't really know what they're going to do. But Casey comes out and he's starting to get dressed for his promotion ceremony. And he's like, have you guys heard from Gabby? And they're like, no. And she's like, he's like, huh, like, you know, she was supposed to be here. And, you know, I haven't heard from her either. But then he goes back in his office and whatever. And then in the, like, common area, we see that 51 is still watching the collapse on the news. And Severide is watching it. And he's pointing out, you know, he's like, oh, Cruz, like, who's on... What, who was called there and he's like yeah like they should have been doing this and going in from the north side and like all these things that they're basically doing wrong and my first thought was you know if you know what they're doing wrong then I guess like I understand it's not your call but like why can't you still go help like why are you guys just sitting here watching it on the news I thought that too I was like why don't they go out there and tell like go drive out there and just see if they needed help or something right and especially I mean, just in general, like, you guys are firemen. Like, this seems to be a big deal. Like, why can't you go help? But then also, if you know that they're doing wrong, what they are doing is, like, not the way they should be doing and could harm more lives and all these other things, then why don't you go help? Yeah, we don't really know too much about the protocol in that instance. If you do, please tweet us. But I would imagine in that moment, I mean, yeah, it's not their call. If you recall, uh, Brett and Stella get a call midway through and it's to go to the parking garage and they offer to take it and they're like, now nah, we don't need you. So I think it was kind of, I think it's more Wait, of a thing. what? They're, yeah, when, yeah. Um, yeah, Brett and Kit are having coffee and they're walking up. Um, they get a, I just burped into the mic. I hope that didn't come out. Um, <laughs> but something comes over the radio where they basically say that they, they need help at the parking garage. And Brett offers to take it, and they're like, nah, you're good, don't worry. So I think it was outside of their jurisdiction. And I remember yeah, Derek, yeah, yeah. yeah, Derek had tweeted that they try to make it true to life. And so when the firefighters are watching, you know, their colleagues on the news during a fire, that actually does happen. And so I wonder if that instance, if it's the kind of thing where you just have to sit back and let them do their jobs, which is probably maddening. 
Right. I don't know. And yeah, no, I I figured it was like probably protocol. But yeah, it just seems like you said maddening's a really good word because I don't know if I could sit there. I would even have to turn the TV off in that instance because I don't know if I could sit there and watch someone do the job that I also do and do it wrong. But especially, like, it's not just, like, you're dealing with computers and I'm watching someone deal with, like, pressing the wrong buttons. Like, this is people's, like, lives and this is life or death. And, you know, to watch people do it wrong, I don't know if I could deal that. And, yeah, he basically is like, Bowden, yeah, like, I'm right, right? And Bowden's like, yeah, you're right. Here's the other thing, too, though, is that Severide's kind of sitting there watching it like it's a football game. Like, he's watching it like it's sports. And the three of us are sports fans, so... I can relate to this in, you know, supporting my own team is that when things get really bad and I can't do anything to control it, I get frustrated as hell. And the only means of control I have is to turn the channel. So I, yeah, Severide handles it a lot better, but I can, I can imagine that it's probably really frustrating when you're watching your colleagues screwing up. Yeah, that's interesting that you say he's like watching it the way he watched someone who watched sports because yeah, he's literally sitting there like analyzing like it's like play by play. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, they should have gone in from the north side and done this and this and this. Like, like just like it's like someone commentating on a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so Cruz is also sitting there next to him. And this Cruz, Casey kind of walks by, like, running around like a mad person, you know, looking like he's like a confused puppy in a way. And Cruz points out, you know, in this moment that everyone who backs Severide, he himself wanted to run for captain. And kind of as he sees Casey running around, Severide's like, I'm in no rush. Which I think is really interesting because I get that Severide's not in a rush right now, but I have a feeling he's gonna see Ka- he's gonna see Casey kind of get all these like get his promotion and you know be this leader. And I mean it's something we're gonna see next week, kind of this tension between the two of them and now the fact that they're not on the same level in terms of the how much authority they have over each other. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see if Severi changes his mind over the next couple episodes or by the end of the season about wanting to be captain himself. Yeah, that'll be that that will be interesting. I just I mean, I would hate for him to be motivated to do it out of jealousy, but he's a natural leader. So, you know, it, it would make perfect sense. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it'll be yeah, it will be interesting to see that play out. Good point. And I don't know if it's necessarily out of jealousy that I think it's going to happen. I just think he's going to see Casey doing it and realize that he also wants it. Like, he says he doesn't want it now, but I think he does. Because, like you said, he's a natural boy leader. So it would make sense that, like, he can move up in terms of being a leader and have more authority. Then that just makes sense for Severide and the person that he is. So, like, I think it's just more seeing Casey is going to make him realize that being captain is something he also wants. Not that he's jealous about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, then we go back to the parking garage. Like I said, just a bunch of back and forth in terms of where these things are happening. Um, And we actually get to see Tucker apologize to Gabby, um, which is interesting. And so... But as this is happening, he's like, yeah, I'm sorry for underestimating you. But as this is happening, Gil passes out, pretty much. And people just, everyone is basically, like, starts to get dizzy and, you know, has all these headaches and whatever. And Gabby starts to realize that there's a carbon monoxide leak somewhere. And that they're basically all suffocating to death. Okay, cool. <laughs> but they start to realize then that there's this car that was crushed by the rebel and it's still running, which is basically what's causing the issue. And so Tucker offers to go into the rubble and try to turn off the car and see if the driver is still alive. And Gabby's like, no, you can't do that. It's dangerous. And he's like, the only person I'd be putting at my at risk is myself. And so he goes for it. Because he's going to be a hero like that. Of course. Anyway, back at 51, uh, Stella realizes... Stella gets back from... From wherever they, t- oh, from the what we were talking about earlier, the they were out getting coffee and then they got the call that over the radio that they, you know, about the parking garage. Turns out they weren't needed. They come back. Stella, when they get back, Stella realizes that the O2 tanks are still sitting there. So she pretty much goes to confront Hope about it. And Hope kind of just comes up with this excuse that, like, 
oh, I called this number but and left a message, but they didn't have CFD in their answering machine message. So I still left a message, but I don't know if anyone's going to call me back. Such a bullshit excuse. And Stella clearly sees through it, but like, whatever. Stella's just like, fine. What? She's like, leaves. And I get, first of all, why the fuck does Hope feel the need to lie about this and make it difficult? Like, it's just freaking no two bottles. Like, just call the damn headquarters and have someone come get them. Like, this is not the issue, or this is not the thing to, like, make this an issue. And, like, first of all, you don't want Stella on your side, bad side ever. But, like, if you're going to try to get to Stella because of the whole Severide shit, then, like, freaking O2 bottles is not what to blow up about. Well, at this point, I was sitting there wondering how she even got this job. Like, Connie tells... Or Connie tells Sylvie after she gets hired about the $10,000 that are casually missing. And now she can't even follow through on a simple task to call and get the CO2 canner or canisters like picked up. Like, how did she even get this job? Did they not like have qualifications that were required? Did they not look at her resume? I'm just, yeah, just freaking hope. Fucking hope. Hashtag fucking hope. Yep. Anyway. So we're still at 51 and Casey comes out to the floor where everyone is dressed for the ceremony and Cindy's there. Love Cindy to death. Cindy! And Cindy's there and she's like, oh, Casey, where's Gabby? And he's like, I still haven't heard from her since, you know, she told me that she was at the supermarket. And when he says this, Cindy's like, finally comes clean and basically says like, Gabby was lying or Gabby told you a lie. She was actually out picking a gift from you, and she had me run to the supply store and get the supplies for whatever. And Casey kind of had the moment there where, like, the light bulb, light bulb went off in his head, and he finally puts two and two together and realizes that Gabby's probably in this garage collapse. So 51, everyone at 51 just kind of immediately goes and jumps in the trucks and heads off to this collapse. Like, everybody, squad, truck, Ambo, Bowden, they're all go. Hope. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a sight? Oh, God. <laughs> if Hope, like, if it had been, like, a real, like, thing, I mean, it is a real thing, but if it had been, like, you know, one of those moments where, like, the hospital had blown up or something that's happened in the past season, like, everyone shows up to, like, help, what if, like, they needed just everyone's, like, all hands on deck and, like, Hope and Connie had showed up? Like, wouldn't it be a sight to see Hope, like, try to show up and, like, help? In these moments. Connie would kick ass. Hope, however, Bowden would be like, Hope, I just need you to hold this and like all of this water is going to spray on the fire. Just stand here and hold it. And she's going to be like, mm, I was going to, but then it was like really heavy. And she's like, I'd be afraid to break a nail. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I don't even think she'd be able to like hold the check. Like if he's been like, hold my clipboard and check off things as we go. I don't think she could have done that. Probably not. But anyway. She probably would have stolen the clipboard. (laughs) Probably. But, um, so yeah. Then 51 arrives on the scene and they're like, we didn't call for another, whatever. I don't even know what the proper term here is. But basically they're like, we didn't call for more help. And they're like, they basically just start asking about Gabby. They're like, you know, one of our off-duty paramedics was around and she's probably in there. And one of the like other firefighters, there's like, I wonder if they were talking about that you know, it was that lady that the construction workers were telling us about. And then the chief at the other fire department that's on scene was like, one of our workers said some lady was giving them holy hell about the garage being a hazard before it collapsed. And Casey's like, sounds like Gabby. They're so married. Yeah. yeah. It's just, especially just the way he said it, he's like, yep, sounds like Gabby. Like, he just like, was like, yeah, that's my woman. Like, yeah, that's her. Like, I'm not hot. Like, I'm not ashamed, but that's who she is. Um. So the other chief of the fire department, or the other fire department's like, yeah, you know, you guys can help if you want, you know. And they're like, yeah. So, and Bowden's like, yeah, 51, start helping with cleaning this debris. And so they start cleaning it. And this is just a realistic thing. Like, I don't, okay. So they start clearing it and it's like they form an assembly line. And basically they start passing like little pieces of the debris back like one by one. Is it just me or does not that does that not seem to be like the most effective way to go about this? No, it seems like there were more effective ways to go about it. Granted, I guess they probably wanted to keep them focused because if 
Matt had his way, he probably would have just done exactly what Tucker had, like, suggested earlier and started digging for Gabby. So, you know, I guess they had to keep him focused. But no, an assembly line probably was not the most productive thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No. But I was just like, okay. Like, I guess I get it. Concrete's heavy, but... It just didn't seem to be that effective to me. But anyway, so back inside the garage now, and this injured electrician, whose name we still don't know, which it finally gets the phone in the elevator to work. And Gabby gets through to Matt because they got through to each other. And basically, Matt's on the phone. He's like, tell everyone to go to the North Wall. Like, that's what we're trying to dig out of. And so Gabby kind of has this moment where she's like, for a moment, I thought they were going to have, like, a repeat of 523. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, these last lines, like, no, I love you, blah, blah, And I was like, dear God, not again. Like, I can't do this again. It's just too soon, too soon. But anyway, so she tells everyone to start running for the North Wall. Everyone does. And for a second, you know, she kind of has this moment where she's going to try and find Tucker. She's like, I'm going to, she's like, I, she just runs off in the other direction and go find him. And we got an email or a message from Rachel, another long one, which with many great points. But I thought this was a really interesting point that she thought. And she says, you know, how much she loved the development of the relationship with Tucker, with Gabby. And, you know, she says, even though he tried to minimize her role despite her experience, and I love that Gabby, even though she totally could have, didn't go all Gabby, Gabby Dawson on him. You know, she was calm and strategic and became their leader not by telling them, but by showing them. And so, like, she even had this moment, you know, this moment where she actually chooses to go save him. It's a really good point that, like, yes, Tucker was annoying as hell, but, like, there was a good development of that relationship where Gabby could have gone all, like Rachel says, all Gabby Dawson on him, but, you know, she didn't. She ended up choosing to go save his life because that's what Gabby Dawson does. That's Gabby going all Gabby Dawson is when she goes back for him. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so it was just like you could see that development. I thought that was a really good point from Rachel. Um, so our favorite firefighters start – they finally get this, like, hole enough for where someone could come out of there. And so they finally see the rest of the crew, and the people start climbing out, and basically everyone but Gabby. And Matt asks Brandon about Gabby, and he's like, yeah, no, she's still in there. He, she went to go save Tucker. And so when she realizes she's not coming out, Matt does what Matt does. And he goes in to get Gabby because that's what they do. Can I bring up an awesome moment here? So there's a moment before he goes in that he Brandon says, you know, oh, she went back. Matt gives Bowden this look of like, is he looking? Can I get away with it? Can I do this? What am I going to do? And he sees Bowden and he just goes and Bowden's like, Casey. And Matt's just like, sorry, not sorry. Like <laughs> he just goes. It's so great. Cause that moment where he's like, is it worth it? Am I going to get in trouble? Yeah, I'm doing it. Let's go. Just so dossy. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Matt goes in, he finds Gabby. Gabby's like, Matt's like, Gabby, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, but we need to get Tucker out because Tucker's, like, basically fallen almost unconscious because of the carbon monoxide. So they work out. They work to get Tucker out. And then the hug heard around the world happens. The Dossie hug. They hug for dear life, pretty much. And Gina, I know this is, like, probably your moment, so why don't you talk about it? Oh, my God. So... Yeah, everybody's coming out. Finally, Matt gets Gabby, and they walk out. Um, there is a moment where I think Otis goes to help her out of the hole, and Casey's like, my woman, move. And uh, he, he helps her out. <laughs> but then they have this really awesome, like, holy crap, we just survived a disaster hug. And, you know, Gabby says his name, and she says it all emotional. She's like, Matt. And they hug, and it's just this big, big hug where he's just like, it's okay, it's okay, it's over, you know, it's okay. And the whole fandom just fell to bits because it was just such a good moment. So good. Ashley, what did you think about that moment? It was so great. It was so good. I loved it. Yeah. No, and we got in our email from Allison, you know, she talked about how much that embrace and those words, you know, they're just everything. And she said... You know, honestly, she wasn't a huge Dossie fan probably until this season, but now she's on board. And I think, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I love Dossie, and Dossie's definitely one of my favorite ships. I'm not, like, Gino-level Dossie lover, like, I'm not there. But, yeah, I definitely think if I, even if I hadn't been a huge Dossie super, like, how can you not be after that moment? That moment was so good. Yeah, there's an old episode of Bones in, like, season one, maybe, where... Brennan gets kidnapped or something and then Bones comes and save her and they have this similar moment where Booth is like it's okay it's over don't worry and that has always just like hit me right in the fields because I liked them as a couple but yeah that Dossie moment is just so perfect and just wonderful yeah I also just thinking about if we're talking about other TV moments this can compare to One Tree Hill where um, after the crazy psycho Derek comes and <gasps> Lucas goes in and saves, like, and Peyton, like, gives him a hug and she's, like, and Lucas sees that he's dead and, like, that whole moment. Yeah, when they look out the window. Yeah. Oh, my God, yes. That's another, like, there's a lot of, like, pretty much almost every, with every good ship, you could probably find one of these moments. That's true. I can't wait to do our episode where we talk about other shows we watch. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like two hours long. And it's going to be like an hour of One Tree Hill talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Beside the point. But anyway, back to One Chicago. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so after everyone gets out, everyone's getting checked by different paramedics and – um, Sylvie and Stella are working on Colleen and she's like, you know, you can bill me, but I can't pay. Like, I can't afford this. Like, I don't have insurance. And they're just like, basically like, they've only been around her for a little bit, but you can tell they're both like, just shut up and like, let us take care of you. And then Brandon being the greatest one out of all of them. He, I guess they were rosary beads. Is that what those were the cross that she had had yeah i think so that he returns to her anyway he see he had seen her with these rosary beads um earlier and he goes he he had found them and he had picked them up and returns them to her and colleen doesn't say a single word like not a single word and she so she's just still being like so ungrateful this just an ungrateful bitch like what the fuck i hated colleen I don't think you're alone in that. (laughs) So much. I was so glad for her to be off my television screen. Um, But then we see Tucker and Gabby have this really nice moment. And basically, he's like, you're a badass, Gabby Dawson. Like, thanks for keeping us alive. Just echoing the words of the fandom right there. Like, you're a badass, Gabby Dawson. Yeah, I just wish it didn't have to come From Tucker. Well, yeah, I mean, whatever. It came from Tucker, whatever. I mean, I'm glad it came out in dialogue. But, like, just the way that the episode went, I wish that he wasn't like, oh, wait a second. You are smart and knowledgeable about these things. Oopsies. But, you know, whatever. Could bitch about that forever. Yeah. But anyway, so we're back at 51, and we finally – finally can like have this promotion ceremony that we've been trying to have and the first thing we get to see though is that sprinkles has escaped what and otis and cruz kind of have this freak out moment and cruz is like showing him the empty cage and he's like what now what should we do and otis is like you put this in your cart and we never speak of it again and Cruz is like right on and goes and assume, we assume puts it in his car. Um, I don't know if we'll ever see Sprinkles again. Allison in her email to us said, you know, she's like, I hope, she's like, I can't wait to see what Sprinkle, Sprinkles brings in weeks to come. And she had this great thing. And she said, she ended her email pretty much like, please don't let a fire truck run over him. If that happens, I might saw more than I did when Matt found out Hallie was dead. <laughs> Hashtag save Sprinkles. <laughs> Hashtag save sprinkles. Don't let sprinkles die. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag save sprinkles. Hashtag save sprinkles, everyone. Because, yeah, that would be... I, I can't imagine that it's not a plot point and they don't ever bring it up again. But even if it is just say, oh, yeah, he's dead. Like, we found him. But we'll see. I don't know if they'll bring sprinkles back. I mean, he, like, escaped. It's kind of hard to find a guinea pig. Because they could just run away. like. Anywhere. But even if he's, like 
just gone forever and we never see Sprinkles again, I can't imagine that, like, whichever set of Hermans it is doesn't come back and be like, ooh, I'm here to see Mr. Sprinkles or, like, and, like, see him again, you know? And then they have to be like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? What are we going to say? Like, not that we have to, they have to find him, but I can't imagine it doesn't ever come up again. Yeah. But, anyway. So... Then Casey and Severide run each other into the hall. And after Severide had been basically teasing him this whole time about this promotion, Casey comes up to him and is like, oh, I lost my tie. I took it off when we went to the call, and I must have left it somewhere. And Severide gives him his tie, and they have this just such a great bromance moment. And Severide's like, you know, I'm really proud of you. And Casey's like, thanks, Kelly. Matt fucking called him Kelly. He never calls him Kelly. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed heart. that too. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to think about that. He never calls him Kelly. It's either Severide or Sev. Right. And just like, I think it's just because like there was just such this heartfelt like moment and that I feel like, you know, when true emotion happens with this bromance, like they're going to call each other by their first names. And yeah, he called him Kelly. He fucking called him Kelly. BFFL. Best friends for life. BFFL5 ever. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, finally, promotion ceremony time. This is how we end the episode. But anyway. So, Bowden starts out and he says all these nice things about Casey and, you know, whatever. And then turns it over to Dawson to give them this gift. The gift that Dawson was getting for him this whole time was basically the badge from the first captain that 51 had ever had, like, Hundreds of years ago. Not hundreds of years ago, but more than a hundred years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and, you know, it's obviously just supposed to represent, you know, the courage that he had had as the first captain. And, you know, they hope, obviously, that Casey's going to instill these values and characteristics that that captain had had. And so Casey's, you know, clearly taken aback and very happy about it. But then Casey goes around and turns the ceremony on to Gabby and honors Gabby for the work she did at the collapse. And she's really moved by it. And there's just so many emotions in this moment. And then pretty much it just ends in this big group hug. And Casey's a captain now officially. Love it. Yeah. And that's episode four of Chicago Fire. So, guys, what did you think just overall of the episode? Did you like it? What were your thoughts? I thought it was fantastic. It. Yeah. 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 No, I really liked it. Um, yeah. No, I, I thought it was really good. It's not – I don't know which one of the fire ones is my favorite. I don't think this is, like, my favorite of the ones from the season. But I thought it was – I mean, it's another solid episode. This was solid, yeah. Did anybody else have flashbacks to season two, episode 20, A Dark Day? The first time Med blows up? When Gabby was stuck in the garage? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Low-key flashbacks. Uh, were- yeah, first and first, second, I was like, wait, what? But yes, that was the episode I was thinking about. But that yeah. was the one where Casey and Severide went crawling through the rubble to find her. And then they found her, and Severide was like, damn, Dawson, you look like hell. Yeah. So cute. There were a lot of gifts floating around on Tumblr, like, drawing parallels to that between that episode and this episode. It was just the cutest. Oh. So much... Every time there's an episode of just any one of these shows, so much good Tumblr stuff comes from it. For real. Uh, so many talented people out there on Tumblr. For real. I'm still learning Tumblr, but I, yeah, I'm liking what I see. Yeah. If anyone has any favorite Tumblr gift sets or things we should see or read or anything, tweet them to us. We'd love to it see It was them. a good one I seen today, and it was Linstead, and it, like, it was good. I need to send it to y'all. It was, like, really sad. Yeah, no, if anyone has anything, whether it's med or fire or PD or just anything related to One Chicago, send it to us, whether it's, like I said, pictures or art or fan fiction or whatever. Like, we'd, we'd love to take a look at it. We love it somebody all. Made, speaking of fan fiction, somebody made – I didn't read it, but somebody did make a mouse stand, like, all the, like, stories about mouse and Halstead. But I didn't read them, so I don't know if it's any good or not. But they made, like, one-shots of, like – the scenes and they like added on to it or something of mouse and halstead Ooh. oh 
Yeah, guys, send us everything. All of your fanfics, all of your arts, all of your edits. Like, we eat that stuff up. Please send them to us. Yeah, YouTube videos, whatever you got. Send send it to us. Um, But yeah, so that's everything for discussing 604 of Fire. Um, As always, you can find us on pretty much every single major social media platform. We're straight across the board on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just meet us at Molly's. Um, Email us. Email us your thoughts. We love getting emails, you know. We're in our group text, and as soon as we realize someone sent us an email, we're like, guys, someone sent us an email. Go read it. And then we discuss what that person said in our text. Like, we eat that up. If you want to send us a Twitter DM, you can do it that way, too. But we eat it up. We love it. We love it. Bounces. It just, there's so many good points, you guys. You guys are just so insightful, and seriously, we love reading it. Um, But, yeah, and you can also find us individually on Twitter, um, I'm at Brina K13. Gina, you are. I am at Gina Watches TV. And Ashley. I'm at Ashnake095. So yeah, you can tweet us individually about anything. We'll we love talking to you guys as well. Um, but yeah, so until then, we'll be back on with another new episode on Friday talking about six no 505 of Chicago PD. Trying to keep them up. Trying to keep it. It's confusing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so confusing. Yeah, especially because they're right now, they're still on the same like episode number. So it's like just the different season. Yeah, it's so confusing. Um, But yeah, so point being, we'll be back with another new episode on Friday. And until then, have a great week, everybody. Bye.